Have you ever purchased a gift for someone, and since it's Mother's Day, let's say a gift for your mother, and you were so excited about it that you just had to give her a phone call and say, well, I've got your present here, and I think you're going to like it. Or has someone ever said that to you? I've got your present, and I think you're going to like it. When we know that a gift is on the way and that the giver is really excited about it, isn't it the case that we can't wait for the day to arrive when we're going to open the gift and celebrate with the person who made it? And in some ways, the wait grows sweeter as it is prolonged. The rest of our life, when we're waiting for something big, seems less important when we think about what's been promised to us. In this morning's gospel, our Lord is promising us an eternal gift, a dwelling place, a room prepared in the home of the creator of the universe, a home that will never be visited by death or mourning, sickness or fear. Do we bear in mind this gift from day to day? Do we take the time to desire it? Are we awaiting with great longing and anticipation the day when we will receive this gift? How would our lives change if we thought about our eternal home more frequently? If we stored up real spiritual treasure to adorn this dwelling place in heaven, if we genuinely long to get to heaven, wouldn't the struggles of this life seem correspondingly small, as St. Paul has said? I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed in us. St. Paul's a great example of a man who lived in constant gratitude for the gift he had already received and for the gift he was looking forward to receiving, the gift of life in Christ and the gift of sight, not only his literal sight but spiritual insight. This gratitude made him long for heaven. He writes to the Philippians, My desire is to depart and be with Christ. And this desire strengthened Paul to endure all kinds of sufferings, to make light of them even. He kept his eyes fixed on the goal, on what had been promised to him, this eternal dwelling place. I think it's significant that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, And this brings out a second part of today's readings that I wish to share with you. So there are many dwelling places in the Father's house. In today's first reading, we hear about a dispute that arose in the early church. It seems that the Hellenists, that is the Greeks, their widows were being neglected. And there were complaints going around. So St. Benedict doesn't want monks to complain. Uh, but he does admit that sometimes complaint is justified, and this is probably one of those cases. Uh, the widows are being neglected. And from our perspective, of course, knowing how the story turns out, it's easy to be critical of the situation, of the Hebrews. Uh, but isn't it just natural that we sort of pay attention first to our own people and so on? So the apostles and their closest disciples at this point are all Jews. And it's not necessarily ill will of some kind or even prejudice that leads to the neglect of the non-Jews in the group. It might just be a linguistic problem. It's hard to understand their language. One of the ways in which Paul's sight was restored allowed him to see that the death of Jesus Christ 
saved not only the chosen people from their sins, the death and resurrection is an offering for all peoples, even those very far off. In baptism, our own eyes were opened to this reality that we are members of a body of a multitude that no one can number, made up of every tribe, every single tribe and tongue. God's grace, and this literally means his gift, is to anyone who would receive it, anyone who hears the good news and says yes. There are many dwelling places in the Father's house. Uh, God is not limited by space and time. He can provide as many rooms as we need. So we, through baptism, have countless brothers and sisters, friends and comrades in heaven and here still on earth. Sometimes we struggle to accept this because uh, I think there are a couple reasons. One is many of these people are from unfamiliar cultures, unfamiliar times. And to allow them into my life might mean giving up my culture, my, what I like about my life, befriending persons with, again, unfamiliar languages, strange food, trying to make friends between Hebrews and Greeks. Furthermore, in today's world, a polemical multiculturalism tends to lead to the pointing of fingers, separating us into categories of privileged and victim. And so it might be helpful for me to state in closing uh, the same idea of bringing together all the different cultures of the world in the church, but maybe now from the Greek perspective instead of the Jewish perspective. The communion of saints is waiting to accept you, your customs, purified, of course, your language, everything that is dear to you. They want you and, and everything about you to be incorporated into the body of Christ. You are a gift, each one of you, to the saints and to God. I can say this because Jesus himself, as he prays to the Father at the end of the Last Supper, says, Father, they are your gift to me. You are that gift promised by the Father to Jesus that Jesus has been longing to receive. What strength there is in realizing this and how beautiful it is to feel this in our hearts and to celebrate this at the sacrifice today, to be called to the one altar of the Lord, where are gathered mystically all of the saints our departed grandmothers and grandfathers, all of our ancestors, all of those yet to be born whom God has chosen and who say yes to his gift. The Holy Eucharist is a foretaste of the heavenly gift of eternal peace and joy. And may our eyes be reopened to this reality today. And may our brothers and sisters who are still separated from our churches be consoled in the reality that their desire for heaven can be just as strong as they wait in longing for the gift that God means to give and to rejoin us at the Lord's banquet.